Hey guys, this is Robin. Just wanted to let you know that you can find all the material that we're talking about in this episode at hoosteen.net slash defart slash three. Uh, you can check out all the stuff we're reading and talking about there. And without further ado, let's start the show. This is The Definite Article, a show about creativity yesterday, tomorrow, and today. This is the definite, oh, damn it, I kicked the desk with my foot. <laughs> with my goddamn foot. All right, Buddha. <sighs> this is the definite article, a show about creativity yesterday, tomorrow, and today. My name is Justin Jacoby Smith, and I am, of course, as always, here with my wonderful co-host in Chicago, Miss Robin Babb. Robin, how are you? I'm very good, Justin. How you doing? I am doing good. I'm doing well, even as as we say in the in the profession of people with English degrees. Right. Um, doing doing well. Uh, you know, it's been kind of a kind of a a bit of a hectic week on this this end. I've been kind of pulling my hair out a little bit over some uh, over some work deadlines. You know, the the kind of the kind of daily grind, nine to five kind of stuff. Definitely been a little bit on the little bit on the uh, on the stressful side, but I'm glad that you know I I, I consider this uh, my 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 solace. You know this, this little conversation that we get to have is when I get to relax a little bit. You know put put my feet up. Figuratively speaking, I can't put my feet up on this desk. It's it's too tall. Yeah, you tried um, and banged your foot up pretty good. Yeah, there, I huh? already. Yeah, you, you you heard that. You can hear the when I do the you hear the the wobbly. That's the, I hear the wobbly. Yeah, that's the. Uh, this is why you, you don't want to put your feet up on on desks that are too high for your for your feet. You don't want to put your feet up on wobblies either. They probably don't like that. <laughs> yeah, they're probably not real real fond of that either. They'll probably do some kind of sabotage to your ankles. Probably. Ankle biting gets the goods. That's what they say. <laughs> how, are, how are you doing? How was your week? Didn't you just just start? You just started up some some new stuff, didn't you? That's some some work and some work and work you got to work on. I did. Yeah, this big puppet production in Chicago that I'm working on and very excited about. Maybe shouldn't talk too much about yet. I don't really know. Well, you, you don't want to reveal who's pulling the strings. It's it's too. You got to keep it secret. Yep. <laughs> I had I I had to try it. I couldn't leave that. I couldn't just leave that hanging out there like some like some mar- marionette of an unfinished joke. Oh God! It's late. My mind is is fading into the the twilight of, of the day for sure. You keep you know you keep saying stuff like that. What's going on in your mind, buddy? Ostensibly today, we're we're going to be talking about about stress and the mm-hmm. effect that it has on on the individual and on and on the individual that's that's trying to that's trying to do interesting creative work and the effect that it can have not just on the person but on the output too. I certainly, as I say, I've been definitely a little stressed uh, thanks to the uh, thanks to the nine to five that pays the rent. I think it's it's made it a little more challenging to uh, to try to put out. Uh, stuff that I that I really dig on my my other audio related programs that I that I work on, mm-hmm. but yeah, so it's definitely been sort of a um, sort of challenging to try to get my energy up to the level that I know it needs to be at in order to produce good content. I'm trying to avoid kind of the worst of it manifesting in in the work that I do because I don't want my work to suffer because I'm stressed out from the paycheck job, you know. Yeah, don't do that. It's bad news. It is. You know, I was uh, stressing a little bit too, especially after I heard about this 
new job, even even though it is something that obviously I'm super excited about and really looking forward to working on because uh, it means that the next two months of my life are going to have a lot more work in them than I expected, which is fine and exciting and all that, but, you know, wasn't wasn't really prepared for it, and now I've got to kind of change up my whole act and brush up on some skills I haven't 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 kept you know quite in peak position for a while so working on working on those things and you know I was I was stressing out about this a lot but then you sent me some lovely articles about stress and I read them and well they made me feel pretty good you know so so yeah I I, I definitely I, I sent some articles your way that that I I thought were were pretty interesting because, like I say, I I was already sort of thinking in this direction thanks to the the stress that I've been under myself. So I'm I'm glad to hear that that you read these things and and uh, and appreciated them. Yeah, man, like this. I'm looking right now at this Boston Globe article, so and it's funny. Good. Yeah, like that, that's that's a good one. People gotta people gotta that are listening to the program. You gotta go uh, check out this article. It's funny because even just now I'm talking about how oh well I want to avoid the worst effects of stress. On this, on the uh, uh, the stuff that I'm creating, and you know, right here it's like paragraph three. They talk about how uh, how researchers at uh, at Columbia's uh, you know, school of school of business, you know, the psychologist is asking them, uh, how do you feel about uh, about how all of this, uh, all of the effects of stress, you know, do, when you hear about all the terrible effects that stress can have on you, how does that make you feel? And they say, oh, well, I feel stressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, it, 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 it talk, it's like it's like it's like a it's like a Mobius strip of of pulling your hair out. You know, this article is really good. Everybody should check it out. How to make stress work in your favor, um, and it talks a lot about how you know we we tend to lose track of this sometimes, but stress is a very natural biological response to being in tough situations, uh, and not only is it natural, but it's actually meant to be helpful. Stress is what pumps the adrenaline through you to get you to run away faster from the bear that's trying to eat you or, you know, other brush animals. Whether they be literal or metaphorical. Literal or, meta- or metaphorical, yes. Brush um, animals. Hopefully metaphorical. It wasn't until fairly recently that the word stress was used as like a medical term. There's, there's a study done that in excess stress is harmful to us. When when stress is constant, it doesn't have the intended effects that, that, that nature intended, I guess, because stress isn't meant to be constant. It's meant to be kind of the kick in the pants that gets us to, you know, stand up and run away from said predator. But in yield modern world, there's a lot of constant stress that's very self-induced. Although... You know, we we don't typically call it that. What I thought was especially interesting, and I, I said I was thinking about this, like I said, for for a while, and it occurred to me that at least for me personally, and in the Boston Globe article, in a certain sense, supports this. I think, you know, f- for me, stress is not terribly unlike bourbon, <laughs> in that, you know, when I was doing freelance writing work, uh, when I was doing a lot of a lot of ghost writing, there were a lot of heavy deadlines involved there, you know, and I found that up to a certain point i was actually thriving cuz i had this i had this very sort of uh this very sort of invigorated response mm-hmm. where 
you know, so that's the, you know, I say it's like whiskey because it's like, okay, up to a certain point, I'm going to thrive and I'm going to do great. But then past a certain threshold, I'm just going to throw my hands up and start singing country songs, you know, um, because like once you get past a certain a certain kind of breaking point, it ceases to to be a producer of this useful response in you, this this sort of this sort of buckle down and get your crap done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it ceases to do that for you anymore. And, and it just becomes this never ending thing that makes you want to grind your teeth into dust. In in the article, they talk about uh, the, the, this phenomenon that they call physiological toughening. When, when you're, when you're running on all cylinders, you know, and, and, and the stress is doing physiologically to you what it's supposed to do, it's gonna, it's gonna give you a boost of oxygen. It's gonna give you a boost of glucose and adrenaline and your, your immune response is gonna jump up to, to meet this challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really gonna do, gonna do positive things for you. But once you, you hit this sort of wall, the stress that doesn't stop, you know, the, the, the deadlines that are, uh, that are constant rather, you know, rather than the, rather than the notion of, oh, I have a big deadline coming up in a few weeks. I have to meet it when it instead becomes, I have to have this done in two hours. And then I have to have this done in two hours, or I have to have this done every week at the same time over and over and over again, you know, mm-hmm. forever. Um, you know, when it becomes that sort of deadline, then the, the positive aspects of the physiological response peter out because your body can only do that for so long. For a long time now, there's been research that's shown that, that the sort of, uh, the sort of, of effects produced by stress, that is, you know, the boost of oxygen, the boost of glucose, the, the, the adrenaline, these are the sorts of things physiologically that help you to, to make the lateral thinking moves that can, that can result in some of your best creative work. That's why stress can be such such a such a catalyst. But again, once once you start hitting that wall over and over again, and start going around in circles. That's when you start getting into um, what Tim Ferriss in this other article. Tim Ferriss, uh, he's and he's quote he's quoting from somebody else when he says this, uh, but he, he calls it ego depletion. Yeah, and uh, they talk about this a lot in uh, in Thinking Fast and Slow. This is it's a great book by uh, Daniel Kahneman. As I recall, a psychologist. I don't know if you. I don't know if you had a chance to take a peek at the book while we were talking about the subject prior. It's a really sort of rich and deep dive into not just the subjects of 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 stress and its effect on you, but but the subject, but the effect of all the different sorts of of physiological reactions uh, that might occur uh, on your mind and on the way you think. There's a lot in there about instinct versus more logical, rationally minded thinking. The physiological toughening they talk about in the Boston Globe mm, yeah. article it reminds me a lot of what William James refers to as the formation of habits, uh, mm. which you know he he was writing about psychology and oh shoot I'm gonna get the year wrong it was something like 1890 or prehistoric. You know, he was doing psychology on dinosaurs, is what I'm saying. He was putting the, putting the T-Rex on the couch. Right. I'm not even sure if, if he used the word neuron at all. William James talks about the formation of habits is just is creating and then repeating a pathway in your brain. Mm-hmm. Doing a thing once, it's hard at first. And then, you know, you repeat it and do it again, do it the same way over and over again. That path becomes wider, more trodden, as they say. Mm-hmm. And it becomes easier to go in that direction. And that's the same way I saw the physiological toughening here. 
toughening makes it sound like you really have to put up armor to stress, which is kind of counter to, I think, what the article is really getting at, which is that, you know, stress is good for you in certain amounts. Building up, I guess, less of a resistance, which is kind of what the way they're they're phrasing it here. But I like the idea of building up pathways that make it easier to deal with and channel stress. You know, when you're trying to when you're trying to adopt new ways of thinking and new ways of approaching the world and 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 the way that you move through it, uh, you're not going to do that easily unless you are in the process of making it habit. You're not you're not going to you're not going to wake up tomorrow morning and go run 5 miles if you've never done it before. Sure. You know, you've got a. I I see here. I pulled up. I pulled up a little bit. A little bit of the. A little bit of the Bill James, um, and uh, and I see he's he is talking about. Uh, he's, he, I don't see him here using the word neurons, but he is talking about ne- neural plasticity. Okay, man. I hope I'm not a broken record, Justin. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta burrow those same pathways over and over again. And I, over yeah, again. I guess so. I actually, yeah, I just realized that I've totally talked to you about William James before. But that's you, okay because these these people listening don't know that. Well, well you know, and the the thing, the thing about the thing about stress is that it has an it has an effect on memory, and so I have no memory of the fact that you've talked to me about William James before. I yeah. I don't recall that at all. That's good. It was you know good conversation, but whatever. <laughs> well, you know, we're we're recording this one, so so it'll be for posterity and all of history. Right, posteriority. That's right. The study of butts. Is that, is that know what that is? Um, okay, so I, I I feel like now that we're discussing the study of butts, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like we we could probably stand to to get a little bit closer to uh, a little bit closer to the pathway that we're ostensibly ostensibly on. And I'm looking here again at this at this article, the the dangers of ego depletion, and I, I'm realizing actually that there was a lot I think in this article that that jumped out at me in terms of the longer term effects you know we were talking about you hit that wall and you sort of cease to be able to to work well and this sort of touches on that a lot and it gives you really kind of practical tips on how to get by that did anything here ju- jump out for you when you looked at this thing sure i mean uh in in part it's just a very convenient if nothing else i like the kind of the visual analogy that this article gives as far as ego depletion uh it's it's kind of like a banking system of uh of decision points if if you will the idea presented is that you know we we have a certain amount of decisions that we make in a day and we have a certain amount of points kind of that we expend when we make good decisions like eating a salad instead of you know the the beef lo mein that you can get at the fast food that the Chinese place next door that right. is just has so glistening with grease and you can <laughs> you can just see your face reflected on it and it's just the argument here is basically as as much as you want to make the best decision all of the time you can't <laughs> you can't do that uh you no. can't do that and sometimes you need to ration those good decision points for more important good decisions. Sometimes it's okay to get that beefalo mane if you make yourself go running that night. He goes into more strategies of going back into the habit thing, how you can kind of train yourself to fill up that bank of decision points a little bit more every day, and how it becomes a little bit easier to make the right decision as you as you do it more often, as you make that right decision you know, sequentially every day. 
Uh, and I, I, yeah, I just, I just really like that idea of kind of, you know, building up uh, resistance or building up an ability. In the show notes, we should drop in this thing because I, I wrote, I wrote something uh, for, 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 for this, for my site uh, a while back that touches on this ego depletion stuff. There is, and this may indeed just be sort of, sort of apocryphal. This may not be true, but the story is Einstein had, uh, had only a handful of, uh, a handful of outfits. I want to say two or three outfits, several identical garments that, that he would assemble into two or three outfits. And he would do this because in the morning he wouldn't want to get up and have to waste his decision making power on which of the outfits he was going to wear that day. The idea was that the fewer decisions he had to make about trivial things, the more you know, I suppose the opposite of ego depletion, the, the more sort of, uh, sort of critical thinking faculty he had left in order to actually focus on things that really required the full brunt of his, of his mind. Right. Um, and the rumor is that the, again, possibly apocryphal that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg also does this, that Barack Obama also does this. Um, <laughs> you know, and this is, this is a real thing that people say. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's really legit true or not, but this people say that it's true. Right. Um, and whether it's literally true or not, that is, you know, as, as a, as an example of, of the kind of thing under discussion, I do think it's instructive. The fewer difficult decisions you, you present for yourself, the fewer difficult decisions you allow to be built into the structure of your day, the more prepared your mind will be for when it has to actually make critically important decisions. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, tying this a little bit more directly into the, I, into stress decisions are always stressful and i think that kind of one of one of the parts of making those good decisions good decisions is that it's a little bit it's a little bit stressful to make those decisions but sometimes when you're struggling between two options that you know you know that one is a little bit better or smarter or healthier but it's such an inconsequential thing but you're going to stress about it for 5 days anyway definitely guilty of that that is very unhelpful stress that right. stress is not getting you running away faster from the bear that stress is just making you pull your right. hair out it's the mobius right. strip it's the mobius strip of right. stress and you don't want that, right? Because it it doesn't it doesn't get you anywhere. All, all all you wind up doing is when you're up against that wall of stress, and you are trying to put out something that represents the best of your ability, and you're up against this really unfortunate. That's when you're in danger of uh of of you know self flagellation. That's when even the smallest mistake can take on this sort of you know that's that's when you wind up making these world historical typos, right? When the smallest mistake that could possibly mean anything. <laughs> Uh, turns out seeming to have the most enormous importance because all of us, all of a mm -hmm. sudden you're up against, you know, you feel like you have the weight of the universe on your shoulders and you've made this tiny mistake and now everything is thrown into chaos. Or so it seems because that's the, that's the effect that this stuff can have on the way you perceive the importance of even the most minor things. I get the most stressed out when I don't have anything to do. Huh. Like anybody else, if, if I'm just loaded with work yeah i get a little stressed out it it bothers me and uh i i freak out about how i'm gonna get everything done but more than anything i get i go totally bonkers when i have you know a, a large span of time set in front of me with no definite things on the calendar i don't know what to do with myself but you know what stressing out about that is so unhelpful that so doesn't help me to do the good, important, good for humanity things. The problem that I that you're speaking to here 
is the, and I think that this is this is very sort of, sort of like uh sort of tied in tied into this whole thing it's you know just like you when i'm looking at an empty calendar i feel like i am i'm a layabout right you know when i'm looking at an empty calendar i feel like i have to fill it with stuff um and and yet even and yet once i've done that all of a sudden i find myself committed to more things than i can handle you know uh i i find that i have a that i have a whole new stress level based on these things that i have accepted because i wanted to bring them into my life you know mm-hmm. uh i i uh i accept you know a, a metric shit ton of of things to do uh because it because i think that i want to do all these things and stay busy and then before i've really considered the impact that taking on this much work is going to have on my well-being uh, I, you know, I've said yes to all these things without really considering what that is going to mean for my, my sanity. This actually speaks to one of the other articles that, that we have pulled up here. This, this old school thing from, from the archives of, of The Economist, uh, P- Parkinson's Law. So this is a good one, right? Uh, it's, and it's it's a little it's a little on the it's a little on the long side. Well, that's because it's old. <laughs> they didn't have blog readers back then, so they weren't writing for blog readers. This is this is the Economist article called Parkinson's Law. It's from what 1950? N- 1955. It's the year that Martin McFly traveled back to Back to the Future. The the author of this is talking about the tendency of people working in in office settings, in paperworky settings. Most specifically, he's talking about civil servants or civil uh, civil service. Right. Yeah. He's he's essentially talking about. Uh, you know, well, and we should we should maybe for, for for the folks that 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 are just joining us on the program, um, we, we, we gotta we gotta talk about what Parkinson's law specifically is. Right. It, it's this this notion that that work and and even subordinates. Right. Um, tend to expand to fill the space available. If you create a new office and say, I need 30 direct reports, then, um, then you're gonna have 30 direct reports and probably most of them won't have enough to do in your brand new office. And th- this goes whether we're talking about, you know, quote unquote subordinates or whether we're talking about time too. And this, this is where I think it ties in more directly to, to the notion of stress. <sighs> okay. So it's story time, children. So <laughs> when I first moved to DC, I, you know, I came here, I mean, Robin, you know this part of the story, you know, I, I came here with, with a bag full of clothes and my guitar and my laptop mm-hmm. and a couple books. I didn't have much, you know, I moved into the new place and my roommate was like, hey, let me help you get the rest of your stuff. And I was like, this is it. You know, no, no, no bed, no, no nothing. I slept on the floor for a few months and all that good stuff. That and the pet raccoon. Right. That and the, that and the pet raccoon that, I, that rides on my shoulder at all times. Right. So I came to DC with this enormous bag that had all my clothes in it right and and it, and it occurred to me i thought hey i should buy a hamper for my dirty clothes now that i'm in this new place i need you know i need to get i need to get a bed i need to get a bookshelf i need to get you know some uh i need to get a nightstand of some kind and i should probably get a hamper for when it's time to time to toss my dirty clothes somewhere uh and then i thought hey you know what actually i'm gonna be a little little ingenious here i'm gonna be a little bit uh recycly with my goods and i am instead rather than purchasing a brand new hamper what a waste of money that would be i'm gonna just use this bag that i brought all of my clothes with me uh in what a brilliant solution to this problem right mm-hmm. it doesn't occur to me for weeks upon weeks upon weeks but the problem of using an enormous bag that holds all of your clothes as your hamper 
uh, is that uh, you will inevitably fill up your entire bag with all of your clothing before it occurs to you that your hamper is full and you should wash your clothes. Correct. And this is the story of how I woke up at 6 a.m. and started preparing myself to go to work and realized that literally every article of clothing I owned was dirty and in my hamper. Mm-hmm. If you give things enough space, they will take up more space than they ought to take up. They will take up more space than they need to take up because you allow that space to be there, right? This is what what Parkinson's Law is, is about it. And so it, the way this ties back into stress is that when you are given a task, when you're given a project, when you're told, I need this you know, this piece of ghostwriting turned around by, uh, by Friday. And you pull up the, you pull up your little brief and, uh, you know, oh, and this, this is, this is something like a thousand words and I have until Friday to do it. Are you kidding me? Okay, cool. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna maybe write a hundred words today. I'm gonna go get some, go get some donuts, make some fresh coffee. I'll come back to this tomorrow. I'll have a cigarette. And all of a sudden it's, uh, it's Friday at 11 o'clock and I've got words to write. Because mm-hmm. I have allowed the work to expand to fill the time that's been made available to me, or I should say the time that I have made available for myself, uh, mm-hmm. rather than trying to restrict myself in a useful way, rather than trying to uh, sort of create boundaries and deadlines for myself while still being able to allow the positive effects of stress to take hold and produce something that that's reflective of, you know, sort of the highest internal chemistry of myself, right? Without, without letting that happen, instead what I've done is just let the clock run out and just hit the bad stress instead. Instead, I'm just banging my face against the wall, uh, try, mm-hmm. trying to, trying to get this thing done, uh, with, with, you know, with not enough time left now. And, and if I had not allowed that work to expand to fill that time, as Parkinson says it always will, uh, then I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been banging my face against that wall. And who wants to bang their face against the wall? It's a bad, it's bad for your face. Yeah. You need your face for things. Although if you do that enough, you might wind up with a face for radio. <laughs> uh, kids, this is a moral story. That's how we wound up here. Face for radio. We're just full of parables today. Today? Especially today. The, the, you know, the waiting until the last day to finish the thing that you had a whole week to finish, that is bad in, in the sense that you're, you're filling up making the work fit the amount of time you have because you're waiting that whole time and then you have, you know, an hour to pound, pound it all out. You know, at the same time, I don't, I don't want that to sound like hypocritical or, or counter to, the Boston Globe article, you know, talking about how stress is good and helps you, and helps you pound out those articles in that last hour, because, yeah, stress can help you do that, but you know what? If you're like me or like mm, I don't know a large percentage of the globe, that week that you're not writing that article and and instead waiting to write it on Friday, you're probably still thinking about that article and you're probably still stressing out about that. And that's not helpful stress. That stressing but not doing anything about it, that's the antithesis of what stress is supposed to do for you. That, uh, that is, you know, that's not running from the bear. I need, I really need to quit going back to that metaphor that's really losing its color at this point. <laughs> Were we talking about things? Did we have a topic? I think, no.
Uh, not on this program. That's not what this is for. Um, <laughs> it's late. I don't know what you're going to do. It's late. I'm very tired. I'm very stressed. It's very stressful. Sitting here, I got, I got, I got a puff on my electronic cigarette like I'm a wizard. <laughs> Excuse me, it's it's uh, water vapor. Ah, yeah, that that stuff will kill you. Water in the lungs is uh, bad. Yeah, I guess speaking of speaking of uh, speaking of drowning, you know, they talk in this article about how they talk about how early engineering sort of invented the ideas of stress and strain, right? It came from the notion that stress on the on the mast uh, of the boat signifies hardship, right? That when you are dealing with these these massive blasts of water hitting your ship, the boat is going to undergo stress. In order for the boat to survive the stress, the boat needs to have endurance. The idea that stress can be a learning tool to help you realize exactly how much endurance you have and whether you need more. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that. The word stress, like that—that th- that is a made-up term that that we made up to apply to this thing that people felt sometimes. It's like the you know one of the things that the that Merlin and Dan talk about at one point on on the Back to Work program is that you know you get this email from your boss and and it's really it's driving you nuts it's really stressing you out and you th- and you're thinking about all the things you want to say and you know you want you want you want to tell them off and you want to tell them what uh, i know yeah, where you're going but, with this this is where i was going to go with this right this is, is that ult- ultimately you're just a man in a room you're just a guy sitting in a room nothing is happening there there's no there's no physical reality to the stress that you're feeling and and this but i mentioned you know i mentioned earlier i was going to bring bring in the buddha by which i don't mean marijuana um the the so the so it's well known right that there's this buddhist notion somewhat well known i should say there's this buddhist notion of dukkha right um which is not poop it's 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 typically translated as suffering you know when when people talk about the buddha's noble truth they talk about how one of them is that life is suffering or that all is suffering as these are ways that it's sometimes been translated but a more really accurate translation. What what Dukkha really refers to is the note is the notion of something being out of joint. It refers to the the it refers to the idea that something in, in a wa- that an axle in a wagon wheel is out of joint. That's where this comes from. And and the idea is that dukkha is not just suffering, but really it's it's anxiety. It, it, dukkha is the sense of anxiety that you feel about things not being right in the world. You know, it's it's the sense of it's the sense of stress or anxiety that you feel about things not being the way that you believe they ought to be uh, in in the world, whether we mean the world of seven billion people or the world of of your immediate surroundings. But only through only through recognizing their essential unreality. Right. Can we sort of touch what's underneath, which is the wellspring of of the work that we try to do, the, the thing that's. Underneath the anxiety, underneath the stress, underneath the uh, underneath the pulling your hair out, underneath the email from your boss, underneath the the deadlines, is the the sense of of serenity and confidence that comes from knowing that you're capable of of doing something worthwhile. That knows that, that comes, you know, that you're capable of doing something uh, fresh and and creative and new. 
at the at the very bottom, it's just a thing that's not real that's in your head that you can let go of as easily as anything else, and it and it only gets in the way ultimately. Yeah, <sighs> that yeah. was a long one. Sorry. And I I think no, that's that's good. I think that you didn't use this word, but um, I think that stress is remarkably similar to excitement. Hmm. Stress is very similar to excitement, and especially when you do have that notion that yeah, at the bottom of all this there is some some work some creative thing to be done that i want to do that i'm very excited about that stress can kind of melt away and become this very very useful very adrenaline and motivation giving excitement which you know in in reference to the project i've i've recently uh taken on the 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 puppet show i'm gonna be working on Mm -hmm. it's that's gonna be a lot of work i know it's gonna be a lot of work and there's going to be some deadlines and some stressful things going on in there. But I am really excited to help make this puppet show that looks really awesome become a thing. If you guys like hearing me and Justin ramble at each other about stress and glutens, uh, you could follow us on mm. Twitter. Uh, on the Twitter, we are at definite A. Check it out. We tweet some things sometimes, uh, sometimes about the things we are interested in, sometimes about the things we talk about on the show. The nice looking picture is uh, a, a logo designed by our friend George Porteous. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce that. George Porteous, Chicago Porteous. artist. Check him out. Uh, he did a real good job. I told him, make us look like characters in a Gonzo novel. And he did it. I'd, I'd cer- certainly, certainly, uh, uh, certainly feel pretty gonzo just looking at it. You know, I, I showed that I showed that uh, a little design to a couple friends, and they said, "You know, man, that guy, that guy Justin looks like a rock star. You, but Robin, you know, kind of look like he got a couple problems going on there." <laughs> um, I I don't know. I I think I I think I look like I have just been hit by a Cadillac. That's that's cool. Getting hit by Cadillacs is cool. Uh, I don't know. It seems pretty stressful. You can run from a bear. You know, you can't run from Cadillac. <laughs> this is true. There's no such thing as a metaphorical Cadillac. <laughs> well, hey, uh, this was a fun one. This was a fun one. It is. It is late. Sorry. <laughs> so I should it just. Is, it is late. I, you know, I'll send you some some stuff to read. Like, you should send me some stuff to read. I send you stuff to read. You should send me some stuff to read. I I will, man. I yeah. I've been. Falling off the wagon or whatever. On um, is it? Uh, how does, yeah, I don't know how that. On the wagon. Um, under the wagon. Don't know. You have died of dysentery. <sighs> Damn. Yeah, I'll send you some stuff this week. I got. It. Sounds like a plan, Stan. Don't call me Stan. Good night, folks. Thanks for listening. Later, Justin. Bye, Stan. <laughs>